Riff Raff Revolution, Riff Raff Revolution, Riff Raff Revolution, Riff Raff Revolution, Riff Raff Revolution. Hello, this is Riff Raff Revolution, a podcast about real stories about real struggles from real underrepresented comedians. Really. I'm Perry. I'm a theater teacher, a comedy writer, a director, and a performer. And I'm Laura. I'm also a comedy writer and performer, definitely not a theater teacher. Um, Today, we're talking with Seth Thomas. Uh, Seth is a comedian, actor, writer, rapper, and wannabe video dancer from Oakland, California, (laughs) currently living and working in Chicago. As a graduate of Clark Atlanta University's theater program and the conservatory at Second City, uh, Seth uses his acquired skill set to write and perform comedy. When Seth is not touring with his award-winning comedy duo, duo, the Defiant Thomas Brothers, he can be found teaching at the Second City Training Center or at home watching the hills and tweeting about it like the show is still on. (laughs) Yeah. So welcome, Seth. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for having me. This is fun. Um, That sounds like the bio I sent over. No, not at all. I was like, wait a minute. That that sounds familiar. Yeah. I forgot I said the wannabe video dancer. I really do want to be a video dancer. I, I, well, who doesn't? Right? Yeah. right? Have you ever done any video dancing? Do you mean like music video dancing? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I've been in a couple of music videos. Wow. Um, oh. Not like uh, like featured. It's like, you know, you have to like pause it and go, yo, that's me in the really big striped gap shirt. You know what <laughs> I mean? But uh, yeah, I had some. Uh, it was fun. It's fun. Video, cool. video shoots are fun. <laughs> huh. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Was it like choreographed or was it kind of like do your thing? Yeah, it was like a it was like a party scene. So we were oh, also supposed okay. to just be in uh, uh, just in the room partying. So like every time they're like, all right, and go. Then we all just had to like pretend like we were dancing and having a good time. And they'd stop it. Then they'd start it again. And yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Super fun. That's cool. Well, we wanted to start with a couple of questions um, to clarify some things that you, when you filled out our um, guest form, because we've talked about this earlier, we brought you snacks. Appreciate it. Thank um, you. And we brought you the snacks that um, I think it, Jacob, our producer, Jacob, who is the man behind <laughs> the scenes, um, Jacob tweeted at you, I think, what kind of snacks and you answered goldfish, ruffles, and Swedish fish. Yes. Do you have any connection to these other than are they your favorites? Um, they're just kind of like my faves. You know what I mean? I just somehow, like, I just, over the course of my life, I've just gravitated towards these things as my snack choices. You know, I mean, Swedish fish, they're amazing. They're pretty good. I don't trust yeah. anyone who doesn't like Swedish fish. I hope everybody here likes fish. Or, or either that, or we can just we can just them all day and yesterday. <laughs> it's fine. Otherwise, we just go through this thing with no trust, and that's cool too. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> I just I like them. They just get stuck in my teeth. Yes. Yeah. 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 They're a challenging snack food. Mmm. <laughs> challenging. Yes. Okay. Well, that that's that's great. Snack food's good, right? <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted to talk more about snack food since it was on your top talking point. What did I say? Um, I think we asked, like, what would you like to talk about on the podcast? And you said snacks as, like, oh. <laughs> one of the first ones. <laughs> no, um, snacks is not like, uh, like, like eating is just one of those kind of things where it's just like, um, we always talk about how, uh, how snacks just make everything better. You know, it's like, oh, we're having a meeting. Are there going to be snacks? You know what I mean? Or like if you get an email, hey, we're having a meeting, there's snacks, you probably get more people coming, you know? That's true. Tell us about your fascination with the hills. We're very curious. Um, I looked them up on Wikipedia right right before our coming here today. I don't know anything about the hills, so like, please enlighten us. Wow. Um, Okay, so uh, facts or or, or opinion? Let's do opinions. Okay, great. Uh, Opinion. (laughs) The Hills is uh, probably the greatest reality TV show ever made. That's a bold statement. And... Possibly one of the, the greatest shows ever made. I don't know. It just it just kind of happened. I I'm definitely wasn't in the demographics uh, of its creation. Um, it's kind of one of those type of things where like um, shotgun blast, like it's all just those pellets that go randomly and like one just flies way out. And so somehow, you know, I just got hit like, oh, I love this show. You know what I mean? So I definitely wasn't the demographic, but um, loved The Hills. I loved watching it when it was on and uh, 
and then it ended and I just like bought the DVDs and just kept watching and kept watching and I still follow everyone from the show, like uh, Lauren Conrad, Heidi Montag. I still follow Audrina, all, all of them on the social. Um, I have uh, major and minor characters. Um, mm. uh, Elodie Otto, who was on the first two seasons and then left after season, uh, left in season three, third uh, episode. Wow. It's one of my favorite minor characters. Uh, I follow her on Twitter. She follows back. Oh, wow. <laughs> We're fun. <laughs> That's um, <awesome. laughs> Yeah, I've had uh I've been uh I've had some Twitter conversations with Spencer. I had recently had a Heidi retweeted me. Um I I you know, wow. I like but also like I watch it regularly. Mm-hmm. Like I have it's it's intense. I have I'm almost at the point where like if you call out a number I can tell you the name of the episode. Um I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, most of them I'm kind of cool with. Um, what do you think is a secret to Heidi and Spencer's marriage? Hmm. Um, because Channing Tatum and Jennifer Aniston just can't seem to keep it together. So <laughs> I think that, like, um, I think that, like, there are, especially watching watching The Hills, which was weird, because, like, on The Hills, when it was happening, it was all like, oh, my God, this is the worst relationship, and, like, Heidi, like, you know, she's all into Spencer and like the parents were all worried that like, you know, she's not going to have any other friends and like it's all just going to be very insular. And um, but I think that there are like like there are people in the world who like I only need one person. Right. Like I just mm-hmm. need this one person and I'm OK with like my life revolving around that person. And like when two of those kind of people get together, then there's no reason, you know, it's just mm-hmm. like usually it's like one's like latching on to someone else and then the other one's like a crazy socialite you know, or kind of opposite. And in this situation, I think that's, they're just in a situation where all they need is each other and it's just kind of worked out. What sets the Hills apart to you from other reality shows? It's a lot of things, but I think one, it had a point, which was there was the, uh, the Lauren Conrad journey. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it started with her like moving the whole point where she was on, it was, it was a spinoff of Laguna beach. So, she left Laguna to go to uh, L.A. or Hollywood. So, like, we, you know, we followed that. Then, like, she got an internship at Teen Vogue. Then we watched her work at Vogue. Then she got a job at People's Revolution. So we watched that. At the very beginning, she was going to fit him. So we watched that. So there was just this whole progression of a story. So it wasn't just, like, they're worthy hanging out with the friends and the boys and the fighting and the breaking up with your friends and all that kind of stuff. But there also was an arc of, like, her becoming going from being a student to becoming like this person in the fashion world that she wanted to become. And then she left. And then uh, they picked up a second half of the season. They brought Kristen Cavallari back. Kristen Cavallari was in Laguna. So they brought her into the hills and then they did like two seasons. But then season six got to be like just a regular reality show where they're just kind of hanging out and partying and kind of contrived stories. And so there really was no like storyline. So I think that's why the show ended after the sixth season. Mm. So uh, it was that strong storyline of like yeah, more yeah. of her career, rather right? Than- but then the other thing about it too was kind of like the timing. So it was like there's a lot of like bands and brands involved. Like the way the show was run, um, a lot of music was played in between cuts. So at the time, it was like if you were a new artist or an emerging artist, you know, you wanted your song on the hills. Um, mm. A lot of branded things, you know, because it was like Hollywood stuff. So it was like oh, like. I think it's season, must be season one, possibly season two. They ha- they go to like a cricket launch party, so it's like you know, I didn't hear. It. Yeah, right. You think of it, you, yeah, it's like oh cricket, but like you don't, you know. Right now, you think of cricket, it's like oh the bootleg phone, like you can't really get a phone. But like yeah. when they came out, they were trying to be a legit, you know, competitor, and so like they had this huge launch party, you know. But um, so yeah, it was a lot of. I mean, the appearances were crazy over this course of the seasons. I mean, like. Justin Timberlake was on it. Uh, Mark Jacobs was on it. Uh, Lady Gaga. There's an episode where Lauren's fixing Lady Gaga's dress. Like, wow. uh, yeah, it was just, it was a lot. It was just, it was the show, you know? Hmm. Maybe I need to start watching it. I'm not You've sure. intrigued me. I'm not sure about <laughs> anything as much as you love the hills. <laughs> <laughs> I aspire uh, to love something as much as that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. That's cool. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's a trip. I know. It's just like, and, and it's kind of one of those things where, like, um, I don't know. I mean, if I was like a, if I was like a white woman, no one would question my affection for it, right? 
But it's just crazy. Uh, it's like, uh, it's like, whoa, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So it's always love weird. is love, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking yes. about it a little bit. For I can talk about the hills forever. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, um, the reason you're here, yes, is comedy. So let's talk about it. Let's, let's do it. Um. So. You, what motivated you to start comedy or like when did you start your love for comedy and performing well I was um I've always been an actor I uh I was a child actor I acted in high school college all that kind of stuff and then um so I was here I moved here randomly over the summer. I was like here really just to visit a buddy of mine. My, my best friend lived here and I like came out here to hang out with him. And then, um, you know, like, uh, just kind of sitting around. I've always, I've always done a lot of like tragedies and stuff in college and things like that. But I always kind of gravitated towards the, uh, the comedy side one. So when we did shows that were at a comedic spin or were on the comedy side of things, I really enjoyed those. And it was just something I wanted to kind of explore. And then like, um, you know, like every young punk, I was like, oh, I want to be on Saturday Night Live. And mm-hmm. like, okay, well, then I'll go over to Second City and, you know, start that journey. And uh, that didn't happen. But uh, in the course of it, uh, I, actually have a, I actually have a great journey, a great life, you know, with comedy. But yeah, it was just kind of a, I just liked it more when we would mm-hmm. perform comedies and tragedies. I preferred the comedies over the tragedies. What has motivated you to keep going through or, like, pick up certain jobs or things like that? Um, like, what what um, inspires you in comedy now, I guess? Now? Now or... Or just in general. What, like, what, um, <laughs> well, now, at this point, I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm nice at it. So, like, there's no reason to not do it. You know what I mean? Like, mm. uh, you know, um, in the beginning, I think there was still that kind of... Uh, um, things were a little more linear, I think, when I started. It was like you knew you were gonna. the The end goal was getting to Aspen, the um, which was happening every year, and uh, you land an agent and you get a development deal and you try to get a television show. Mm-hmm. So like that was all there, you know what I mean? And we did all of that. Uh, yeah, we had um, we were. We had a tele we had a television deal with the uh UPN and then they merged with the WB to create the CW. Mm-hmm. And uh so then every pilot uh got dropped because you know they already had two networks to merge. So everything oh, wow. new and developing just got dropped. So like I think um after that situation, I think it was just kind of a I still like performing. I still like writing. I still like kind of being in it. So I kind of like kept doing it, but it mm-hmm. was just not the, there was no like eye on television like that anymore. Like there was when I first started. Mm. And you think the, it's kind of, the industry has kind of changed so that it's not as linear or people have started to not. Are there more it? paths now or. Um, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I think I have a, uh, you know, I think there are more paths, but I don't know if it's, if it's a better situation. I'm not exactly sure. I think the end of the day, it's like the same machine. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, there's so many channels now, right. Mm -hmm. And so many things are like streaming and it's about, uh, you know, you you can go direct to Amazon or, you Mm -hmm. know, direct to Netflix now or, all these different things. So it's not like the same as, um, you know, when there were, you know, six networks, seven networks. Um, I also think that like, uh, I don't know. I think because of the technology and all these other kind of stuff, so much of the pre-work, so much of the development work that you usually got like signed to do the development under now is can be done on your own. Mm. So it just changes it to more of like, what do you have? You know, there was a time when you were like, oh, I have ideas. Now it's like, let me see it. Mm. Uh. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I don't know if the 
I'm sure the the track is still there, but I just don't know if like you can uh I don't know if you can get into I don't know if you can get into pitch meetings anymore with just like ideas anymore, you know, because mm-hmm. the the next person over there might have four or five episodes of their ideas shot and ready to be seen, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I I don't know. I'm not I'm not clamoring for that anymore, so I'm just kind of like not really you know, it's not information I'm storing. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, do you think then over time, um, the, the way that people are, this is a weird word to use maybe, but like consuming comedy has changed a lot since it is more like, seems to be more media or a lot, a lot more people do like, um, like video things or, um, yeah, things on online YouTube now. rather than on stage. Yeah, well, for yeah. sure. Like, you know, like, um, when we were first, when I first started doing uh, my two-person comedy show, it was like, you know, it was like whole, the pre-YouTube area, so, era, so that wasn't an avenue, mm-hmm. right? So it was kind of like before it was like, you know, stage shows and and CDs and possibly some video um, or, you know, like a special or DVD or whatever you're doing. So now there's like, same thing, but it's like there's live shows and then there's like, albums but now there's also like you know podcasts and uh all these various avenues to watch so yeah definitely people are consume consuming comedy in a very various different ways now than let's say when i first started mm. do you think that affects comedy at all and the style people are doing comedy in um well everything affects comedy you mm. know if it's done properly you know comedy is supposed to be the uh you know, the, the mirror of uh, society. So like, you know, when society changes, the reflection changes. Hmm. Do you feel that um, your audience has changed or how your audience has received your material over the years? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, um, um, the audiences have changed. I don't know if uh, our audience has changed as much because our you know, our audience, if they were around when we started, has grown with us. Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. kind of like, we're all kind of like figuring it out together. Um, but as far as like newer people or um, uh, new people that are learning about us or starting to appreciate what we do or things of that nature, I think it's uh, it's definitely different because... Um, comedy has gotten so safe over the years. So it just feels like we are more unsafe than I think we really are. Hmm. How, how do you think comedy has gotten more safe? Um, because right now we are, I mean, we are, God, we're up to our shoulders and necks in, uh, in, um, political correctness, mm-hmm. you know, um, possibly to the point where I don't think we even identify this political correctness anymore. It's just like a level of correctness. Um, I think the problem with it is it's designed to, um, you know, to not hurt feelings and to not be offensive. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But in the, uh, in the course of that, uh, both sides have also opted to like, um, To ignore the truth. Does that make sense? I think so. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Like, um, uh, you know, if I make jokes about black people having big lips, then that comes off as like racist. Mm. You know what I mean? But the vast majority of black people have big lips. So, (laughs) you know, it's true. I mean, you can you well, can get out of a particular a way. Between something coming off as racial versus racist, and it kind of depends on who's making the statement too. Mm. But I'm not sure if a lot of people would say that racist coming from you. But I don't know if you've had a different experience with that. Well, I think that but, people in the business of identifying incorrect doesn't mm. ne- don't necessarily care about the source. Mm. Maybe they. Maybe they'll feel, um, maybe they'll still feel uncomfortable 
but will, you know, allow it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. in, the, in the sense of like, you know, black things, I can get away with it more because of the uncomfortability of it. But I think that like, um, well, I mean, just because of the nature of it. But that's just more or less of a can and can't, not a can and is it okay or can and it's not okay, right? Like, it's still about how I'm feeling. Like, that's just where we are right now. It's like, mm. is this, is this, um, it's, it's just, I don't know, in my opinion, it just feels like it's less about what's going on and more about like how this thing makes me feel. So if I don't feel okay about this that's supposed that's enough you know Mm. what i mean it's just i don't know it's just you can't really when you make comedy and you have an audience there because they're there for the entertainment and all that kind of stuff there are strategies you you create to protect the audience so they don't feel a particular way i guess right Mm. but at the same time it's like i don't know i think um it just keeps getting safe. I mean, everything is just, you know, everything's just, I don't know. I think that's why like a lot of like, especially like stand up is just kind of devolved into like storytelling, mm. you know, mm. I don't know. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if people are just kind of scared to tell jokes or just don't want to, or just, you're just kind of toting the line, you know, everything is so, I don't know. I mean, you make adjustments. You have to look at the climate and make adjustments. We had a, we had a scene where uh, it was like a, a cab driver and picks the cab driver picks up a person and um, it was uh, they were basically on their way to go like murder their, their lover. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I think uh, when we first wrote it, I think it was a, he was like going to kill his girlfriend, and then I think like as we you know lately when we perform it we're just like you're going to kill your boyfriend because you know when we're the society's dealing with violence against women you know what i mean in a way Mm -hmm. that like you don't want it to be perceived a different way you know what i mean so it's a detail so we're not like unconscious you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but like you know you just you just kind of make adjustments you know Mm -hmm. where do you think where do you find the line is for you, I guess, like, um, I don't, I don't know how to explain it other than that. Like, I understand what you're saying that there's, yeah, it's, it's hard to be afraid to do anything, but where do you like, where do you find that you can like touch the line and it's still, um, I think it goes back to just what I said earlier, where it's like the audience feels protected. So they don't feel like mm. you're talking about me. Like you're not, you're not attacking me. You're you, something's happening. Cause remember it's still theater. And theater is still, like, breaking the fourth wall and looking in, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, as long as the audience feels like they're looking into something, they're, they're seeing something that maybe they shouldn't be looking in, right? Like, I'm, I, like the wall just disappears on your neighbor's place so I can see everything the neighbors are doing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And yeah. they don't know I'm watching, but I can see all of that. That's kind of how I approach it. So as long as that feel is still there, as long as that, that barrier, that fourth wall, and it's behind the fourth wall, and then... And then that just comes into the skill set and the artistry of like, how do we deal with this thing and still be able to do it and, and do it in a way that is like um, enjoyable? Yeah, it might make you feel a little uncomfortable or like, ooh, I can't believe that happened. But not leaving going, oh, my God, that, that was at me. I'm offended. Mm-hmm. More or less like, oh, my God, that was wild. You know? Yeah. So I think um, if you can figure it out, uh, I don't think there's anywhere you can't go. You just have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think that there has to be a reason to go there. You know what I mean? Like some things I just don't even think you need to deal with. Mm-hmm. But who am I, you know? Are Do there you- any subject matters that you think should be off limits for comedians? Or hmm. No. I just think it has to be done well. Mm-hmm. You can just find a way to yeah. make it work and still... Yeah, I think it's like if you can't figure out a way to do it well, then probably leave it alone, you know, because mm-hmm. the shock value is not enough, you know what I mean? It has to be... It has to be done well. You have to be able to grab your audience's hand and then walk them down this road and then know, my, oh my God, I'm, I'm laughing at this thing, 
you know, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. Or like, you know, change the perspective, you know, just figure it out. Yeah. You know, um, like, uh, yeah, you know, like uh, I have a, I don't know, you just, you just figure it out. Hmm. Do you feel like there was a period of time early in your career where you were kind of trying to figure it, figure it out, especially with the Defiant Thomas Brothers? And I think I'm always trying to figure age. it out. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I think it's, I'm always trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always trying to like, you know, does this still work? How does this work? How does this change? How does, what, how does this play? Where does this go? Um, you know, you're, you're kind of looking at the social climate. Um, sometimes, you know, this, you know, society like, uh, you know, validates whatever, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, there was a, we have this song called the, um, the pedophile song, oh. um, dedicated to priests that have molested children. Mm. And, uh, it's a really fun song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I remember, um, we had this, it was this, it was this weird thing, right? It was just like, so, um, we were doing a kind of a reintroduce yourself type of a show, right? So it was like, this mm-hmm. was a whole new crowd who had never seen DTB before. So we were like, okay, we're going to reintroduce ourselves and kind of like, you know, do the classics. Mm-hmm. And so the, uh, so as we're working through the, uh, the RO, we are going, um, we got to the, the pedophile song. We were like, man, do we do this song? And then, like, there was that thing of, like, oh, this is kind of old and, is this old and dated? Is this not in the consciousness anymore? But then it was, like, have they stopped, though? <laughs> right? Like, you know, yeah, like, that was yeah, the conversation. Yeah. Like, we were, like, mm-hmm. whoa, like, do we do this? Like, is it old? And the fact that we were even having the conversation almost bothered me. It was, like, wait, they haven't stopped? Like, what's going on? And so we were kind of, like, uh, and then, um, and then, uh. And then uh, right around that time, um, I think Spotlight won an Academy Award. Oh, mm. yeah. And we were like, great! <laughs> we're back in the game! <laughs> you know, so that, that kind of a thing, you know. Have you ever had reactions from audiences that are, like, very, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you went there, like, in a negative way, not like, a, oh, my gosh. That, that. Negative. Oh, yeah. yeah. Had, like, oh, yeah, sure. I mean. Responses. Every now and then there's someone, oh my God, there's like a Yelp review where some person was like, I never, I didn't laugh at all. Like, don't go see them. And like, we mm-hmm. were going to like, we're going to use that as the tag for our next show. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, some people were just like, oh my God, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, that was so offensive or I didn't appreciate that or whatever. I mean, you're going to get one or two, mm-hmm. you know, every now and then. I mean, nobody's perfect. Yeah. You, you know, there's going to be a percentage of people that just don't dig your stuff and that's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, don't buy the album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like that kind of like is it good that you're getting a reaction? Yeah, I, I think the worst thing for a performer that's that's creating something is um probably apathy. Like you don't want people to be apathetic about your work. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, it exists. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know kinda of want that. Um I'm kind of a like, you know, you know, there's those those ideas of like, you know, like all press are good press or like, you know, my grandmother used to say don't doesn't matter if they talk good about you or bad about you, as long as they're talking about you, you know, that kind of a thing. So, mm. um, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if somebody sees the show and, like, the reaction is like, oh, my God, I hated everything about this, like, you know, then in my head it was like, well, I made you feel. So mm-hmm. there was that. You know, At least was, you're memorable, right, yeah, to that person. It was, it was real. It made you feel something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I like what you said earlier about um, something about, like, comedy – puts a mirror up to society. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like now, maybe more, maybe more than ever, um, comedians and maybe artists in general have a s- certain responsibility to put that mirror up to society with our like current political climate and how things are happening? Well, I mean, you're using the responsibility. I think that, like, that's just what a comic is. You know, if you Mm. take the mirror aspect, the reflection aspect away from the comic, then then we're talking, you know, like past or future, which then becomes, you know, a whole different thing. 
you know it's um it's not comedy um um it's funny that you said this you know the current political climate because i think that in the current political climate right now comedy is starting to suffer mm. you know how so um I think right now, because of the current political climate and how like divisive or like how divided we are as mm -hmm. a nation about like where things are politically and all of that kind of stuff, then I think that like a lot of comics are going um I think they're either choosing to decide i mean they're deciding what they're going to reflect and what they're not going to reflect mm -hmm. as opposed to just kind of reflecting. And then I think also a lot of people like, uh, well, let me back up because a mirror just seems like a little bit too um, simple. But like um, there's this idea that like as stage players, our, our job is to show people who they are, where they are and what condition they're in. And I find that like a lot of what I'm seeing comedically, especially in the sketch comedy world, is um it's not who we are where we are and what condition we're in it's like who we wish we were where we wish we were and like the condition we wish we were in hmm. and that's i don't know to me that's not that's not theater that's not comedy that's um performance church <laughs> that's really interesting yeah. i can totally see that yeah um so you think, does, is, does part of that have to do with what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, being too afraid to go certain places? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. You know, where's We Love Trump the musical? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no one's even, no one's even, you know, attacking satire from that perspective. Um, hmm. And... I think the fact that everybody has zeroed in on Donald Trump is uh, another tell that people are scared to deal because that's not the problem. Mm -hmm. You know, dude's not the problem. He's been consistent since the 70s. That's who he is. You know, if there is a problem, the problem is the people who helped get him there. You know what I mean? But like... Mm -hmm. You go see a sketch show, nobody's playing Trump supporters, nobody's playing their families, you know, nobody's trying to, there's no relationship scenes where one voted for it and they're trying to figure it out. There's no, there's no, no one has the POV that, you know, maybe they were right. No one's playing. I mean, it's just, it's just all. You know, hate, hate, we don't like him, he's wrong, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And then it's and then it's kind of like, you know, it's juvenile, a lot of it is. You know, name calling and this and that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, he, you know, you hear about the hair and the orange skin and the da-da-da-da. And I mean, just like, you know, I mean, like, you're really, really basing your comedy on talking about somebody's tan and like whatever which is exactly what he does when he's attacking other people too so Makes sense juvenile yeah <laughs> that's what i said right yeah juvenile mm -hmm. i i'm not i'm not protecting him <laughs> I'm, I, that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that like like we're comedians you know what i mean and like mm -hmm. our job is to show people where we are and like Here's where we are. 53% of white women voted for Trump. Where's the last sketch where anyone was like, hey, I'm going to play that person? Mm. You know, I just don't. Um, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not for or against too many things as a comedian who creates content. I feel like. um I'm the, you know, like the battles waging down here and, and I'm sitting over here in a tree watching both sides, just trying to figure out like which one, what, what behavior next is going to provide the best comedic value. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not. Yeah. Do you, you know. feel comedians aren't, um, I guess, 
going after the more complicated um, issues and point of views because they don't want to do the intellectual work or because they're afraid of um, alienating uh, potential audiences. Well, I don't think anyone's worried about alienating potential audiences. You know, everyone is very, very comfortable alienating Trump supporters. Very comfortable with it. And it's unfortunate because those people, you know, buy tickets and drink beer too. Mm. You know what I mean? And like at the end of the day, you know, because that's the other part. Like I'm a hustler still. So it's like, you know, if the place holds 200 seats, I want to sell 200 tickets. You know what I mean? It mm. is what it is. You know, whatever. You know, I don't know who's coming through the door, but I'm looking at the numbers going, hey, everybody in here can't be a whatever. And I'm not saying I got to play to it or that I can't address the POV or whatever. But just again, back to, you know, protecting the audience. I find a lot of it is just very outward. It's just not inviting. Hmm. And like there might be like a. The other side of that, it spills over into everything. So it's like somewhere uh, in our in our underground streets and alleys. There's a very, very talented comedian who's a Trump supporter that, you know, can't get on a team and can't get in a sketch group and can't vocalize their opinions in a class because, you know, they're going to get ostracized or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just like Mm -hmm. the comedy world, which is supposed to be reflecting the rest of the world, has now decided to take sides and so it's like you know like how do we even train the trump supporter to satirically address supporting trump if we can't allow them to even open up and go hey this is what i this is where i'm at i don't know it's just like i said we're all divided and i think the divide has crept into the comedy world and i think it's causing comedy to suffer Hmm. That's interesting. Do you see a lot of these in the classes that you teach too? And um, when those come out or not, not that necessarily, but like um, the fear of like what you were talking about and, um, you know, going for kind of the easy things that people are going for now, like how do you encourage other things to come out if you see it in your classes? Mm, um, I mean, I try to make like in a classroom, you're just trying to make a situation just as safe as possible. Mm. But, um, you know, right now it's just, I can't, you know, nobody politically, nobody, you know, is, is really, um, nobody's on, on that side of the fence is safe. So I don't even really see it. Like they're just, they're all just hiding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they're all just hiding and pretending to go with whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you could totally go outside and just be like, Republicans suck. And it's just like, okay. And, like, you just don't even take into account that there might be three or four in the room. They're like, oh, man. <laughs> or, you know, even the idea of, like, you know, like, I made a mistake. Or, like, I, you know, I look at this thing. Or, like, you know, or, or just have any type of conversation. You know, it's just it's just all very slanted, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, I mean... Do you feel like in your own personal comedy, then you kind of lean more towards that social satire rather than any political side? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm way more social satire than political satire. Mm. Where do you think the difference lies between the two? Um, for me, mm-hmm. I think it's, um, I mean, obviously nothing, nothing is completely alone on, its, on an island. Right. But... Um, I just think about like societal woes versus like, you know, political woes. Uh, So when I think about like societal stuff, I just think that like things that uh, people have to deal with that aren't necessarily like part of an institution or an institutionalized, that kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, uh, um, you know, people who stop at the top of elevators and then check their phones, like that's a society issue. Like Mm -hmm. cut it out. (laughs) Yeah. You know, people who, wear really huge backpacks and then don't understand that now their, uh, their, uh, mass has grown. Mm-hmm. That's societal issues, you know, like, um, those are kind of things that I don't think have anything to do with politics. I just think it's just things we deal with in society. And so I just rather like look at those things mm-hmm. than yeah, than not. Yeah. 
Do you ever feel you have to change or adapt your material um, when you're traveling outside of Chicago? I know you were in Atlanta recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. I think. Um, I don't think we go into a place going, "Oh, we're going here. We need to necessarily change this." I think it's just there's that kind of a thing we go like, "Ooh, I wonder how this is going to play." Or how this is going to play. Or how this is going to play. So, you know, like, um, we have, like, a a scene about, that, that, like, revolves around, like, recycling. So that's um, it's usually funny in most places. But then, like, when we go to, like, Portland, it's extra funny. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I think in Atlanta specifically, <clears throat> I think Atlanta's... Um, doesn't have the sketch comedy culture that we have. Mm -hmm. So Atlanta was more for us. The last couple of shows were a lot of like, Ooh, this is a thing, you know, like a lot of people. Um, I, I went to school in Atlanta. So when I go, when we do shows in Atlanta, I usually invite a lot of friends that are still kind of lingering. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we first went down um, almost everyone there was like, well, I had no idea what I was coming to see. We were just like, you were doing something and we read about it and we saw it was cool. So we came through and it's like, whoa, this is a thing, you know, that kind of stuff. Is it time to break? Oh, one last thing. One <laughs> last thing. All um, right. I'm here for it. Okay. Um, if you could give us overall statement of you as a comedian, what would that be? <laughs> like, how would you describe your style? comedian <laughs> <laughs> not to put you on the spot how would you uh how would Should i give a word limit <laughs> how would i describe my style as a comedian um i usually just say things like um like you know like alternative thought or you know it's hmm. just a different angle like i don't i don't see the world the same way a lot i mean i mean i just don't see the the world in the same way that I think a lot of people do. So I'm kind of like, um, I have this, I, and I, I mean this sincerely, like I genuinely have the ability to, um, uh, kind of see the world from a perspective where it doesn't benefit me. You know, like I get it. Like sometimes I lose, right? So mm. it's like, I really believe most people think they're the good guy. Mm. Everyone thinks they're the good guy. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's that ability of going, oh, okay, if I was here, what, you know, looking at it, what would I do? That kind of a thing. So I think, I think my comedy is just kind of a, it's just a different perspective. It's just a different slant. You know, I mean, I guess that's what everyone's is. You know, I don't know. Like, I don't know, you know, um, uh, I'm a huge fan of the N-word, so I would probably say super N-word is definitely my style. <laughs> um, but uh, other than that, like, uh, yeah. You cool. know, yeah. That's neat. Yeah. yeah. Trying to find different ways to approach things. I think that's... I think that's the important. You know, everyone's, yeah. you know... Um, you know, I think there's this... Um, it's It's very Western to look at things like linear or like this or that like a like it's a like it's a coin like you're either heads or your tails or whatever mm -hmm. and um i think probably because i was raised buddhist and this mm -hmm. whole idea that like everything exists simultaneously and so you kind of like i i look at things like a sphere like yo this this exists this can exist and that can exist and that can exist at the same time and it's just like you know, none of us are really just the one or two things that we keep isolating, mm. you know, so it's just like wrapping my head around, you know, people are like, well, how could you like this if you like that? And it's like, because I do, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I, I don't yeah, have to yeah. justify this. I don't have to try to fit this into your coin. Like I do, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and usually what you're dealing with is just somebody who's bought into the idea that this is this and it can't be anything else. So it's like, how do you, you know, and it's mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff, you know, it's like, oh, you're black. How could you like the Cubs? You know, or, what? you know, you're black. How could you live on the North side? Or you're black. How come you like the Hills? You're a guy. Why do you like the Hills? 
it's just it's it's just so you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's interesting yeah yeah so i think that it's just to put things in boxes um i'm sure i had before though i'm sure i've been oh yeah oh yeah yeah well because it makes us safe you know Mm. you know labels and identities you know i mean okay here's the stone cold truth right Mm -hmm. please (laughs) there's seven billion people on the planet we have a lifespan of about 80 90 years if we're lucky and um so like i think every morning i look outside the window and i look at the tree in front of my window and i go you're gonna be here when i'm gone right like we're all just drops in the bucket like at some point you know we're all just insignificant and so like that's a harsh reality hmm. you know mm-hmm. I, I have i don't have a problem with it i can wake up and go well i don't mean anything to seven billion people but like i mean something to like the two that are in my house and then my neighbor and whatever whatever so you kind of just work that way and you just go hey you know what 40 people care about me and I care about these 40 people. So like, that's life right now. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think that like people need reasons, you know, I think that's why religion is so popular. I think people need, you know, people need things to get up and motivate them and make them go out into the world and do things. They have to, you know, I think there's a feeling kind of thing. So I think we're, we're constantly labeling stuff, to make us feel more important than we really, really are. Hmm. You know? Wow. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to go away. But, like, um, yeah. I just don't, you know, I just don't, uh, you know, I mean, if I, if I, you know, if I died right now, you'd still have to go to work tomorrow. Like, the world ain't going to shut down because Seth ain't here no more you know what i mean like it don't (laughs) work like no death yet has stopped the rotation of the planet so it's like mm, not one yet yeah you know what i mean so it's like so i think just going back to your box thing i think that's like it's important because if you strip those things away and those things don't have meaning and those things don't have meaning and those things don't have meaning then it just becomes a thing of like what's left Mm -hmm. you know I feel like my whole mind has been open to the world. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh wow. I know, so much to think about. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go home and have a long think about that. <laughs> no, that's great. That's, thank you for sharing. Yeah. That's no, no, cool. no worries. Thank you for having me. I always hate using this word. I feel like it what sounds word? weird. Satirize. That's the right word. I know, but it sounds weird <laughs> to me. I don't know. So if you could satirize your underrepresented group, however you might think of that. Um, Hills fan could be Hills fans, Hills. yeah, um, or whatever you want to do. Um, did you think of some ideas? Um, well, the funny part was battling with the uh, whole. Um, yeah, I was trying to think of like what's super uh, unrepresented, um, and I just thought, well, you know, there's there's no black Buddhists out there hmm. for sure in the comedy world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. We're on an island. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was just my primary thought. That was the first thing I thought of. I was like, where are all the black Buddhists at? And how come I can't tell any of my Buddhist jokes, you know? Because no one's going to get them. You know, that happened to me in high school. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was like telling a bunch of jokes. And everybody's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh. <laughs> you damn know. Christians. <laughs> you know? It was crazy. If you want to do something with Buddhist jokes yes. in it, we'd be happy to have that. Sure, let's, let's do it. <laughs> let's do some Buddhist Finally jokes. get those out there into the universe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is there a way to like frame that in like a sketch form of any sort? We can play the ignorant Christians. <laughs> we could. <laughs> let's do this. Let's, uh, you're my parents. Okay. And okay. I can do that. Yes. I'm, I'm your son and like, uh. I've just discovered the joys of Christianity. Oh, my. Mm. Okay. And and I think you have the responses of it. But I think the comedic action is just like the end of the... For every time there's like a situation like, oh, like... um, Because in Buddhism, especially when I was growing up, the solution to everything was just chant about it. Like, Mm. that was just it. Oh. 
oh, you know, so I think it might just be funny. Just be, oh, like, well, you should probably chant about that. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, that's what definitely need to chant about that. So, Sung, how was your day? It was fantastic. Mm. I was in class, and they were talking about Christianity, and I think I'm really interested in it. Oh. No, no. No, no, no. <laughs> mom, mom, don't, don't, don't get weird. Like, I'm not going to, like, leave the temple or anything. Like, I'm still a Buddhist, okay? I'm just saying that, like, Christianity, there's this thing out there. Like, there's this... This, like, religion, like, it's, like, another way of, like, looking at things. Like, they've, mm-hmm. it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, they've, they've got this guy with, like, really cool powers. And, like, he turns, like, water into wine and stuff. And, like, um, he walks on water. Did you take Charlie, the wafer? Charlie, have you chanted on this yet? I think, we really think that maybe you should take a step back. Take a step back. And just, just go and chant on it a little Clear bit. Clear your mind. Yeah. Yes. Before, don't make any rash decisions. Well, no. Okay, I, I, I'll chant about it, but I just want to tell you, like, it's it's exciting. Like this, this there's um, there's like a uh, there's like a devil, which is really really cool, right? Because like he he like like he's the reason why we do like bad stuff. Well, mm-hmm. no, like okay, so, <laughs> like, so like remember when you were like um. Uh, like, Charlie, you didn't take out the trash, and that's not really, like, zen of you to, mm-hmm. like, disrespect your moms. Yes, I, right? mm-hmm. I did say so, that to you. I okay, that. right. Well, like, if we were Christians, I could be like, well, the devil made me not take the trash out, Ma. Charlie, I'm not sure if that's how it works entirely. Now, I'm not, I'm not familiar with Christianity either, but I think, I think first... First, just take a step and chant on it first. Mom, I, I will... Find ch- it within yourself. And if it's not there, maybe. And then maybe... Maybe. You can talk to our Catholic friend and he can introduce you to Catholic guilt, which I hear isn't very pleasant. No. Well, that's true. I, I don't, I don't want to feel guilty. I, I just, like, don't want to be responsible for my actions. Well, yeah. Charlie, I don't know if that's exactly how it works. Well, it has to. Like, okay, like, when I don't do things correctly, you and mom are like, you should chant about it, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just think, like, if we were a Christian family, then you and mom would be like, that's okay, Charlie. The devil probably got in you. Mm. Mm. I see. I see. But then we would have to that? get the devil out of you. Somehow. That's well, true. that's where the Jesus guy comes in. See what I'm saying? It's like, it's foolproof. Like, he died for people's sins. So all you got to do is be like, in the name of Jesus, I'm forgiven. So, like, I really have no responsibilities. Like, if I do something bad, it's the devil's fault. And if I need to get back good, I just holler at Jesus. It's kind of foolproof. You see, Charlie... I think let's start with yourself. Okay. Then you can move out to the devil and the Jesus part of the situation. And maybe maybe look into yourself first. And we might need to I feel we talk about I have to go further, somewhere and chant about this. Mm-hmm, I think I might need to go somewhere else and chant about this. And while we're chanting, maybe you can chant about it. And then what what do we say we meet back in about 10 minutes? And then um, re rediscuss rediscuss this, Charlie. What do you what do you think about that? I mean, that's cool. I I'm guess. chanting right now in my head. No, oh, oh wow, it's cool. I just you know, Charlie. Maybe once you get to the level of chanting that your mother's doing right now, then we can revisit Christianity. All right, but um, it would be kind of cool if we were Christians because then I could like blame the devil for not chanting. Mm. The devil's not real, Charlie. Okay, fine. <laughs> well, we don't want to say that for sure, because we don't maybe necessarily know. Charlie, would it make you feel better if we celebrated Christmas? I know you felt a little little left out last Christmas. I've, I've maybe been feeling left out Christmas. every Christmas, Mom. Like, just so you know, I, 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 feel, out, I feel left mm-hmm. out every Christmas, mm-hmm. okay? We already celebrate the Buddha's birthday, though. The Buddha's birthday? The Buddha's birthday. Ah, that's true. But then you can get bonus Christmas, and then maybe we'll chant, and in a year, we'll talk about Christianity again. What do we think about that? I don't know. I'll chant on it. Good. 
I'll turn on it. I'll turn it on too. All right. Okay. And soon. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a typical <laughs> day in your household growing up? No, it was fun. Um, like, we didn't celebrate Buddha's birthday, but also, like, Christmases <laughs> yeah. were horrible. Like, I, oh, that's yeah. one of the jokes yeah. I used to make. Like, everyone would be outside with, like, their new car, their new bike, or their new toy, and I'd just have, like, joy and peace. <laughs> you know, like, nobody wants to play with the kid who has peace. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But, yeah. Are yeah, there sure. Buddhist holidays? No. No? Mm-hmm. Nope. It's really really i mean the modern buddhism is already like gone as far as it possibly can in kind of like trying to um assimilate and adapt to you know the you know american lifestyle you know Mm. like they've got you know old world buddhism was like sacrifice all your possessions and walk around with a beggar's bowl and and live off of like whatever you got you know like that kind of has died out you Mm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. um so, like, this idea of, like, you can, you know, like, you can participate in society and you can do whatever and you can just, you know, practice this particular religious things. So, it's just kind of like it's already kind of making its uh, its twists and turns to adapt with the changing world, you know. But, mm-hmm. like, there was, um, there was a, there was a rift, a huge rift, um, because... You get like a scroll and you chant to the scroll and the scrolls come from like priests. Hmm. And then there was a, and at one point, at some point, like a bunch of the priests were like, we're not dealing with this anymore. That's not real Buddhism. And so it's like this kind of riff and things had to change and they've gone through all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, we're so, we're so locked into the West that we're completely unconscious about all the things that are going on in the East. You know, like there are... Mm-hmm sect upon sect upon sex there's like roaming sex you know going through you know murdering people and all kinds of stuff it's just stuff like anything else mm-hmm. you know you get to a point where you're just like i believe something different i'm gonna create this new thing i'm gonna question this i'm gonna do this and, you know everyone has their there are people who felt like it should have never left japan mm-hmm. you know? i mean it's just like anything else you know but we don't I think in the West, we're so locked into Christianity, and so it's really odd too. Like especially like with Islam, you know, like with the Muslim religion and stuff, we're so locked into Christianity and that everything else is a is an affront that we don't realize that in that it becomes other religion worship. And we don't acknowledge that they are just as messed up as everybody in the Christian world, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like Muslims aren't perfect. Like, they have the exact same interreligious problems that Christianity has and everybody else has. Like, everybody has those issues. You know, if, uh, you know, so like if a, if a Christian runs into a room and, and shoots up a room, you just go, well, that's that brand of Christianity or that's those mm-hmm. Christians over there, right? But like if a... If a Muslim goes into a room and shoots up the whole room, then all of a sudden it's all of Islam is horrible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just like I don't. The they only, don't even mention the Christian aspect when a white man, right? So mm-hmm. you can't even you could. The only way you can, and what people don't really understand is the only way you can make that connection is if the expectation is that this thing is perfect and therefore it couldn't have produced that unless mm-hmm. that person is following this thing to the letter. And so we are projecting this perfection on a bunch of followers which if we just accepted that they were as screwed up as christians are or you know what i mean then we would go oh this guy must be going rogue this is all good you know Mm -hmm. what i mean Mm -hmm. um it's just you know that kind of a thing you know i just think we project a lot of perfection on other people well thank you for coming and talking to us today thank you for having me this has been really really fun (laughs) of course Take some snacks. Yes, eat lots of snacks. Um, (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. I will take that home. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I left with a gift. And uh, lastly, do you have any shows or anything you're working on coming up that you'd like to plug? Or just your social media accounts? Um, I'm on Twitter. Uh, My handle's uh, USA Negro. Um, And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't do the Facebook. 
Mm. It's uh, it's evil. <laughs> you got any new music or? Um, uh, funny. Uh, <laughs> musically, um, yeah. So I just finished an EP, and it's in the digital distribution process. So I'm not exactly sure when it'll hit, like Spotify or iTunes or anything like that. But at, at some point, it'll hit, and then I'll be like tweeting about it and. You know, if, if, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm huge in Australia, man. I'm huge. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> I have, um, it's digital distribution. I got like a check for like $40 the other day. And I was like, what's going on? Like, how did I make $40? And I like had to look and like, I'm just streaming all over the world at like what? three cents a pop. So I guess they accumulated to 40 bucks. So like, I'm making it mama. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing it. So Hopefully this uh, this next project by like 2021 will have like another forty dollars for me. You know what I mean? That's just kind of what it is. Um, musically, I just I just really enjoy hip hop. This has been a Neighbory Inc. podcast. Go to neighboryinc.com for more details. Follow Riff Raff Revolution on social media at r underscore r underscore revolution because they couldn't get a more succinct handle. This episode was edited by Jacob Duffy Hallblythe and Dominic Guanzi. This episode was produced by Perry Hunt and Laura Lee. Tune in next week for an interview with Fragdance Concord. Bye! Bye! Or like you should chant about the fact that you're not chanting. <laughs> I got that note one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>